0: encapsulate this idea that we don't want to be so inward focused as a church. Jesus came there's so much for the individual, but with the pattern of the rest of Scripture, we see God wants to bless people so that they would be a blessing to others. And it seemed too narrow to just say serving one another or serving others, and it seemed too narrow to simply hone in on, you know, evangelistic expert, evangelistic kind of ways of doing things, and so what we really felt God kind of encapsulating in all of that thinking was this idea that we want to be a church that's missional, one that is both serving but is also evangelistic, one that meets practical needs but also understands that the greatest commission we've been given is to go and make disciples, teaching people to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. And so missional contains this, This it's, it's a loaded term and, and it's, you know, meant different things throughout the, the years to different streams of the Christian faith. But for us, it really means that there is supposed to be this external way of being as a church that is not always looking internal, but looking for ways to love those around us, but also to share the good news of Jesus. For us, it means it's like this open-handed posture. We kind of phrased this missional idea that it means not seeking comfort, but acting out of conviction. And really, when we see Jesus start his ministry, he opens up the scroll in Luke 4 and he starts to outline what his ministry is going to look like. And he says, I came to, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, to give sight to the blind. Claim the year of the Lord's favor and so much of this speaks to the practical needs but also the needs of the soul and uh, as a church we never want to lose focus that we are the reason that we are blessed by God the reason that God puts his favor on us is so that we would bless others be open-handed not seek comfort but act out of conviction and uh, I think this has been a strength of our church over the next little while, I think we're going to see a lot more of this emerge. And we'd really love to see ourselves be a church that, if we were to disappear overnight, that the city would actually notice because of the way that we love them. Hi there. Uh, to whoever is tuning in right now, I want to welcome those who call Slate Church home and those that are just checking us out. If we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Brandon Richardson, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma, and it's just a pleasure for you to check us out. I'm glad that you uh, have taken some time to do so. I um, just want to welcome you, and I hope that this uh, this message and uh, what I'm about to share it will be valuable to you and uh, and, and uh, help you in whatever way that, uh, that you're looking for that. If you're watching right now in uh, Coburg or Cambridge or uh, with a group of people, we just want to welcome you and, and say it's great to great to see you and. Uh uh, it's just great to have you gathering and watching together. You know, it's our hope through these online messages is that if you continue to met, uh, watch them over time, that you wouldn't just be watching them alone, but you'd be gathering people into that experience if you find yourself outside the Waterloo Region. Otherwise, we want to invite you back. With restrictions lifting and everything else, we would love to see you back in Waterloo at one of our two locations uh, in Waterloo Region. We, ha- uh, we meet in the mornings at Landmark Cinemas on the Boardwalk as well as in the evening At Maxwell's Constance and Events, and we'd love to see you there. Right now, we're in a collection of talks and messages uh, that uh, that we've entitled This is Church, Volume 3. Volume 3, because we do a series of talks uh, quite uh, quite often uh, about the idea of our identity as a church and what is the church. And the question that we want to ask ourselves today, or answer today, and ask ourselves today is uh, what, it, what does it look like to be the church that Jesus came to initiate? We know that we aren't the initiators of the church. While Slate Church was planted um, less than five years ago, um, the reality is, is that we didn't initiate the movement of the church. We are responding to God's call. And in fact, we have a deep history. All of us came from somewhere and we didn't just pop out of nowhere. We, we were sent out by a church. And uh, so what, what is this church that Jesus initiated and what should it look like? And we're taking some time right now to essentially just uh, reevaluate uh, as a church if we are heading uh, more in the direction of what God would want, us, uh, want to see us uh, head in as a church, or, uh, or, or are we missing some things? And so we sat down as a leadership team um, over about a, a month ago now, and we went away to a, a lead team retreat. And we asked ourselves some questions. What is God doing in our church? What has he been doing? What are some of the things he, we feel him drawing us towards? And uh, out of that, we, we started to ask ourselves the question, where do we feel he wants us to go? When we look through at scripture and he guides us and we look at the words and ways of Jesus, how does he want us to actually be as a church? And so we started to revamp some of our values. Now, values can often just be this like really vague, vague, um, uh, idea of like, we're just going to like, we're going to restate our values. We're going to post them on a wall. And, you know, if you're in a business context, often you're just ignoring these. No, we want these to be guiding principles in the way that we grow as a church. Uh, Slate Church, we have a a vision to grow um, and disciple uh, make disciples of all of Ontario. And if we're going to do that well, we need to know what are the guiding principles and what are the guardrails on this road that we're driving on, so to speak, that we want to make sure we find ourselves in so that not only are we uh, you know, are an effective church, but we want to be a healthy church. We want to be the type of church that Jesus died, uh, died for and died to start. And, uh, and so uh, in this uh, collection of talks, we're, we're um, kind of getting down to the, the root of it. Today's value that we're going to talk about is um, this idea of being missional. We want to be a missional church. As you just saw, we want to be open-handed. You know, generosity is not based on comfort, but conviction. And that's that's the value that we've we've written down. We want to be missional, open-handed, knowing that generosity is not based on comfort, but conviction. I want to jump into a few of the things that Jesus said. One is at the beginning of his ministry. It's the first, first time he kind of like, um, says what he's going to do through his ministry. And then I want to uh, look at the, the last thing that Jesus said during his time here on earth. So the first thing that he speaks as he starts his ministry and essentially the last thing he said as he ends his ministry. So the very first thing that Jesus said um, is uh, out, of, out of Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. And Jesus in, in, this, uh, in this instance is in the temple. He's uh, been assigned to read uh, out of the scroll and he chooses a scroll, and he opens it up, and he states his mission to the people that are, li- uh, that, that are listening. He's, he's inaugurating uh, the start of his kingdom mission to these people, and these are the words that he has to say. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What good news for everybody watching right now? In a world where we feel tied up by our emotions, by our mental health, by restrictions placed on us, by potentially bosses or government, or however else you might feel you're restricted or limited in this life, we have the reassurance that Jesus didn't just come to give us a new religion, but he actually came to release us from something, to preach good news to the poor, just financially poor, no, also those of us that are spiritually or emotionally or mentally poor, and including those of us that are physically poor. He came to proclaim good news to us. He has sent, uh, uh, Jesus says, he has sent me, the Father has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Those of us that feel captive in our circumstances in life and, and some of the situations that we just keep finding ourselves in, he is here to proclaim Freedom, recovery of sight for the blind. If we don't feel like we can see um, uh, through the fog in front of us, he has come to um, proclaim recovery of sight for the blind and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is essentially um, listing out what his mission here on earth would be. Now let's go to... Let's go to uh, something that Jesus said, and I just dropped uh, uh, my bookmark, which is really just uh, one of these pamphlets that we made as a church. If you would like one of those, contact us, and uh, it's all based on our Deeply Formed Life series uh, that we did uh, just about a month ago. This is something that Jesus says at the end of his ministry. Of course, we've read it many times in church, and we want to focus on it because it's our focus as a church as well. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why don't we pray and then we'll jump into what this has to do with our, um, with our, our, our value of, of being missional. Jesus, I want to thank you for for being there for us, for for, uh, never leaving us, never forsaking us, and always having us uh, in your mind. God, you died on a cross so that we might spend eternity with you. You you came to redeem us. You had a mission here on earth to bring us back into relationship with you. And I pray, God, that that heart would come through in these words that I have to share, um, but that, God, also that you would just be glorified. God, lead me through the power of your Holy Spirit now. To reveal um, or to open up your word um, in, in, a, in an honest way and in, and in the way that you intended. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, missional, uh, missional is a value, and being missional, we are missional as a church, is uh, is an important one. Uh, you know, all out of all of the. Um, Out of all the values that we've stated and that we're going to continue to work on in the coming weeks, uh, missional is the one value that stands outside of the rest and causes us to look outside of ourselves. Uh, We all know that it's it's important to not just stay inside all the time. I mean, we went through a a big season where we had to go through lockdowns and, and all the rest. And we know on a physical level, like just staying inside all the time isn't a healthy way of being. Uh, We went and quarantined at my parents' house for about five or six weeks at the beginning of uh, of 2020 when the lockdowns first hit. And I remember at the end of those five or six weeks, we still loved each other as a family, but it was like, it was time to get outside. It was time to like just kind of like spread out because staying in one place is and, and staying inside all the time is not healthy. I mean, you look at the way that um, some of the most, um, uh, what would be considered the most dangerous criminals in the world, one of the ways that, that they are punished, one of the ways that we uh, we, we, we uh, like keep ourselves safe, so to speak, from these dangerous c- criminals is sometimes placing them in solitary confinement. The stories that come out of solitary confinement um, would make you cry and weep because, because nothing good happens in isolation. Not, nothing good happens by just staying inside all the time. A lot of our values that we'll go over can easily be misconstrued as just things that we need to apply to our, our lives, our church, our families, and our discipleship. But missional is one of these values that causes us to look beyond ourselves. It causes us to look outside of ourselves. It causes us to look um, to those that might be might be hurting. And even though we in, are in a place where we don't always feel healthy, still um, make the attempt to help in those situations. We wanted to find a way to encapsulate these ideas of generosity. Uh, this idea of evangelism, which is sharing the good news of Jesus with the world that, that we live in, as well as the idea of serving the world around us. And this word missional is is a jam-packed word that essentially kind of means all of these things all at once. It means all of these things um, kind of packed into this word that says, you know what, we want to be a generous people. We want to be a, a, a people that shares God's words verbally with our friends and family that are looking for truth, and we believe that truth is found in Jesus Christ. We also want to make sure that we're serving tangibly in the, in the places that we find ourselves in. And so missional encapsulates all of these ideas, and it's a response to the way that Jesus lived his life here on earth. He says that the, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to be one who serves. Um, To be missional, to look outside of ourselves is essentially to model what Jesus himself was doing while he was here on earth. One of the interesting things that we find within scripture is, uh, is this idea that God is love. Now, people have probably heard this and at times we misconstrue it to um, basically meet the world at uh, world in their definition of love and, and, and whatnot, what but but the idea that God is love has some like real significance for the way that we actually view God. So here's a bit of a theo- uh, theology lesson for you. God is love. Um, uh, is only possible uh, as an identity uh, if, if, if he is more than, more than just himself. So we have this idea within uh, Christianity, and it's not just an idea, it's, it's a, a belief in a Trinitarian God. We are monotheistic, and yet God is three persons in one. We know that there have been many attempts to explain this phenomenon and and this mystery to some sense of what does it mean that God is three persons and that He's also one. We've heard the three-leaf clover examples. We've uh, we've heard so many different examples that try to give an idea that it's you know it's three parts but it's still one thing, and and yet what we need to understand is God is both one and He is three. God the Father, God the Son. And God, the Holy Spirit. When it says God is love, that is only possible because in um, in continual pepper, pe- uh, per- perpetuity, if that's the right way of saying that, throughout all of eternity, God has been able to be in in a state of love. He's be, He's been able to. Um, remain as a being of love because there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There was love that existed because in order for love to be possible, there needs to be more than just one individual or one person. And so God the Father is, is concerned and, and loving and caring towards God the, God the Son, and God the Son is loving and caring towards God the Father. And, and so there's in this perpetuity, there is this love at the center of the universe that created everything, and, uh, and that's why God is love is actually a, a possible and a realistic statement. Otherwise, um, God is love would mean that God is reliant upon his creation in order for love to be possible. But God is not reliant upon his creation out of who God is he created. Now that's important to know because when we actually see the Trinity, what we see is that at the very essence of who God is, God the Father, God the Son, God the the Holy Spirit, that we would describe as, as one God, but three persons within God. We learn that God is therefore, in his very essence, a missionary God. Why is this? Because in so many ways, in the way that God has related to creation, we see that there is the sender, there is the sent, and there is the sending. So what we have is God the Father, who is a sender. Okay, this is outside of himself. This is the way that, that that God is love manifests itself in creation. God the Father is a is ascending person of the Trinity. He sends into the world creation. He speaks and there is life. He speaks and there are are oceans. He speaks and there's trees and birds and, and beautiful landscapes and Patagonia and all of these beautiful things that we look at. He is ascending God. Out of him is sent all of life and out of him is sent Jesus, his son, to redeem the world. God is ascending God, God the Father. God the Son, Jesus, is a sent God. He's a sent person. He came to earth. He was sent here to pay a price on the cross for yours and my sins, the things that separated us from God, in order to bring us back into relationship with God if we choose to trust in what he did for us in paying a sinner's penalty. He is the sent person of the Trinity. And then what you have is the Holy Spirit that was promised by Jesus who takes up the next kind of like leg of the the journey between God and humanity in that the Holy Spirit equips us and sends us as God's representatives into the world, showing his love to the world that we live in. So it's interesting how God is love is a much bigger concept than just the fact that like, uh, you know, he wants to send us good vibes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just about uh, it's not just about God making us feel good. It's actually within this whole idea. What we see is that that God is love because love is 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 possible within Himself, but also because He sends Himself into His created world, and we see that it it happens in multiple layers. This is a way that. Um, This is where we get this phrase that therefore God in his very essence is a missionary God. We have the first missionary, which is God the Father. The second missionary, which is God the Son. The third missionary, which is uh, uh, God the the Holy Spirit. But we actually, when, when we look at the church's mission here on earth, the way that we could describe it is we are the fourth missionary in the equation. That it is based on what God is and who God is that we get sent out into the world. Why am I saying all of this? Because that's a lot of words. I mean, that's that's some big concepts that I've only taken a few minutes to describe, and I I don't even have time to jump into them so much deeper in this um, message. But why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all this because in our world that we live in today, when we hear words like generosity, we're reminded of often our own poverty or scarcity. We hear words like evangelism, which is to share the word and the message of Jesus. Often what we're actually reflecting on is we're reflecting on um, our inability to put into words what we actually believe and we get worried that it's not going to be received or there's going to be some level of disconnect and discomfort in explaining what matters so much to us to a world that seems to have rejected God altogether. When we say words like serving, it just seems like something you know, everybody always wants from us and yet we don't have the energy or the sustenance to actually carry out in a healthy way. You see, the word missional is is loaded not only because it includes generosity, evangelism, serving and all of these outward things. The word um, missional is loaded also just because of the way it makes us feel. Because a people and a group of people or an individual that feels like they have very little left to give to a world is threatened by the idea that we might actually go out and spend the very limited resources and energy and the things that we have giving when we feel like we don't have enough. I want to move us from a scarcity mindset today to an abundance mindset. Because the reason I describe who God is and who he is at his very core is because sometimes as the fourth missionary in the equation of being sent out into the world that we live in, we take on too much responsibility as individuals in that equation, forgetting that we're actually just joining in on what God has always been doing. God has always been sending. God has always been sent. Uh, and God has always been uh, the sender. And really, in so many different ways, in this outward momentum that flows from God's love, all our responsibility to do is to actually under, uh, draw closer to God and, and allow him to be the one that propels us into these areas. So often, when we hear what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, we, we'll, we'll think these thoughts that are like, you know, uh, it's my responsibility to live out what Jesus Um, himself tried to model for the world that he lived in. I need to proclaim freedom for the prisoner. I need to um, uh, set the captive free. I need to Um, proclaim uh, sight for the blind, and all of these different things. And yet, if we take those things on as ourselves and we try to do it in our own strength, we will end up tired. We will end up burnt out. We will hear the the word service, generosity, evangelism, missional, as something that is taking something from us rather than something that we are actually a part of. We didn't initiate the call to be missional. We partner with a missional God. When it comes to the Great Commission, We fail to understand at times that Jesus didn't just say, go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, as like somehow we were, like his job was done, and now it's our turn to take over in the world. No, what we see is that it's called the great commission because it's not just a mission for the church. It's a commission with Christ. It's a commission with God. It's a commission with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us and propelling us forward into all that god has for us i have a question what do you think was a gr- what do you think is one of the greatest acts that's uh, it's, it's kind of silly to ask this question because it's kind of rhetorical but what do you think is one of the greatest acts of love that's ever been dem- demonstrated in human history you might be able to point to um, people that that he- uh that that hid um jewish people uh in the reign of of uh of nazi germany you might be able to point to people that helped uh, slaves escape through the Underground Railroad. You might be able to point to a father that jumped, in the, way of a, uh, uh, jumped in, in the pathway of a moving car, pushing their own kid and losing their life in the process. And all of these things, while heroic and loving and all the rest, um, uh, uh, don't compare to the love that Jesus showed as he died on that cross. You see, it's out of what Jesus did for us that we actually find the momentum and the the energy that we need in order to serve those around us. The greatest act of love that's ever um, occurred on the planet is what we're actually drawn into and called into, and it's out of that reality that we are asked to be sent out. What I mean by this is, um, and I want to illustrate this with a concept that comes out of physics. So out of physics, we have this idea of resonance. Resonance is essentially the idea that every... um, Every object, every um, uh, uh, kind of a- entity, uh, solid or uh, uh, has a vibrating energy to it. Uh, so, when two vibrating energies move towards one another, uh, what the 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 uh, idea of resonance uh, uh, says is that as they move closer together, uh, that they actually begin to vibrate at the same frequency. Okay, so the idea of resonance is that everybody has their own, uh, every object has its own vibrant uh, energy, vibrating a- energy. And as they, th- those vibrating energies eventually move closer to one another until the frequencies are actually the same. And that's when we say they have resonance, okay? Now, to illustrate this, I want you to just take a quick look at uh, this video. So just take a quick look at, at the, an example of resonance. So isn't that interesting that, he, I mean, he didn't touch the, the, other, the, other for, uh, the, the other, what are these, the forks, um, but yet the other fork that wasn't touched, the one that he hit, the one that wasn't touched, started to show the same frequency as the other uh, fork that, that was hit. Now, some fascinating stories when it comes to this. So there's a place in Washington, Washington called Puget Sound. It's, uh, it's a, it, w- it was like a small um, inlet of water in Washington. It still is. And there was a bridge called the Tacoma, uh, I want to get this right, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. We have, on record, uh, this bridge fell apart. And as they did greater look into this, what, what they found is that as a double oscillating wind came through the Puget Sound, um, the frequency of that wind matched the frequency of the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, and because the Tacoma Narrows Bridge matched the frequency of the wind, that's what actually caused it to de- to be destroyed. Which is kind of fascinating. Another story of this that I just found absolutely fascinating was an example of um, uh, it, 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 what, what the um, the the University Clemson University uh, in I believe South Carolina. So they had this this beautiful stadium, state of the art stadium, and um, the university officials started noticing that this stadium was crumbling. And as they did a diagnosis on what was happening there, what they actually found was that the marching band would often play this, uh, this song. They would often perform this song called Louie Louie. And the frequency of Louie Louie was the same frequency at which the um, uh, the, the Clemson University Stadium uh, uh, had in, in its structure. And so because they were playing this song over and over again, what eventually began to happen is the University Stadium began to crumble as a result of the sound. Like, again, this is, like I'm not trying to say anything spooky. This is just like examples of resonance uh, out, uh, uh, taking place in the world that we find ourselves in now. What I find interesting is that for so many of us, we're trying to do a missional life. We're trying to live an external life. We're trying to love and serve and be generous and share the message of Jesus apart from abiding in the Trinity itself, which in itself is missional. So we're trying to be missional without the very... Essence of mission—a mission that exists and has has existed throughout all of eternity—and we try to do it without it. A better idea would to find to find resonance with God and allow that resonance to drive us forward. In fact, that resonance might cause certain things within us to crumble, like a like a thought that we're less than, or we're not gifted enough, or we're not smart enough, or we don't have the resources, or or I'm too too tired or burnt out. Some of those things will begin to crumble within us as we find resonance with our heavenly Father. God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. As we find resonance with God, all of a sudden it becomes easier to serve those around us. There was this, um, uh, there's this uh, uh, pastor and uh, slash evangelist uh, in the late 1700s named Francis Asbury. And Francis Asbury traveled around on horseback throughout, uh, throughout America, what is now known as America. He was on America's um, frontier. And uh, he would go around just preaching the gospel, and he would evangelize. And there's something, something like like hundreds of thousands of people that came to know Jesus because he would ride around to these little encampments and and uh, First Nations people and and uh, uh, just all of the, the little settlements uh, within the states. He, it is estimated that he maybe I already said this, but he traveled on horseback 750 miles throughout his lifetime just preaching. Um, uh, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Now uh, there was a pastor that went to one of the churches that um, Francis Asbury would often go to, and he was there for like the de- um, a rededication of their building. It was like it was an anniversary celebration, and um, some of the pastors and the elders took this uh, pastor that was visiting. Um, his, la- or his name was uh, Evan, I believe. And Evan um, went outside with the, the pastor and the, and the elders, and, and he went to this river that ran by Uh, The church and some of the elders were just kind of remarking on the fact that Francis Asbury had to cross this river during flood season multiple times in order to spend time at this church that was established back in the 1700s. So before there was bridges and all the rest in this area, he would have to uh, uh, traverse, he would have to forge across this river. And uh, he would have to do with his horse. And so all of a sudden, this one elder kind of goes in, and he's obviously spent a lot of time in that area and a lot of time in the church and a lot of time thinking about this this wonderful um, evangelistic uh, man and pastor that that spent so much time at this church. And, and so he, he thought so much about, like, how did he actually get across that river? And so he was um, speaking to this pastor, Evan, and he was saying, uh, you know, Uh, Evan like I think that this is how he would have got across the the river and he must have forged like to this area at flood season and maybe the horse had to follow him there and and he spent a great deal of time explaining to Evan that this is likely how um, Francis Asbury got across the river and he was done talking Uh, Evan looked at this elder and he said and his response to him was this he said it's not as much of a the question for me is not as much about how Francis Asbury got across the river but why did Francis Asbury cross the river and I think that that's part of the question when it comes to the question that we need to ask ourselves as a church um, the question we need to ask ourselves is not as much like how are we going to be missional but like why should we be missional and the answer to that question is is kind of simple because God is missional and as we abide in Christ and we remain in him which we talked about in the um in the, 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 the spiritual formation series that we just went through, as we remain in Christ, we actually just get enveloped by his love, and we, we find deep resonance with what he's up to on, on, uh, on the planet right now, and we can't help but want to be a part of it. There's a guy named Francis Chan, and he, he um, reflected on the question that so many people often ask about God, and one of the reasons why people will state that they don't believe in God and, uh, or, or people that begin to, you know, grow up in the church but no longer want to follow God, they'll sometimes say, say things like this, well, I can't believe in a God that allows for, you know, hunger and, and people to be homeless and, um, you know, for people to just be hopeless and, and all of these sorts of things. And Francis Chan remarked on this, this kind of idea and this, this thing that is often posed against God, and he said, uh, he said, I'm not so sure that it's up to us if we have as great of a right to ask God why do you allow these things as much as God has the right to ask us why are you allowing these things? You see, the church is meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The church is, our, is, is God's mission here on earth. We are the fourth missionary partnering with God himself and his missional identity to reach a world. Often the things that we will ask God, why isn't he doing that? He's kind of looking and saying, well, I actually like, Give you a lot of commands. I, I've I've filled you with my spirit. I, I I died for you on the cross. I, kind of gave you life to begin with, and and I've given you all these things to serve and love and be missional to those that are around you. See, it's not always, um, it's not always what is God doing, but it's sometimes the question comes down to how have we partnered with God and what He's doing, because God does want to alleviate the, the the things that are going on in this world, and honestly as the church continues to answer that call, a lot of these things are alleviated much faster. I spent a lot of time recently um, with uh, the Salvation Army. uh, If you're unfamiliar with the Salvation Army, some of us just think that they ring bells around Christmas and they collect money and they kind of give it away. Or maybe we're familiar with some of the thrift stores, uh, the Salvation Army thrift stores. And and some of us might not know that the Salvation Army is actually a denomination within the Christian faith. And it was started by a guy, and uh, actually a couple, named William and Catherine Booth. And I've been spending some time with uh, with the Salvation Army because I've been uh, Emma and I have been coming alongside them and helping uh, uh, teach some of their young leaders. And uh, I had to laugh because we had a leadership retreat at a place called Teen Ranch uh, just uh, a week ago, last week. And uh, I started the session telling the, the, the young adults in front of me, I said, uh, you know, I watched uh, this documentary on William Booth and they all kind of gasped and they're like, oh my gosh, he probably knows more about William Booth than we do, and yet that's, and, and I was like, well, all I got to do is watch a 30-minute documentary, and if you watch that 30-minute documentary, um, it becomes very clear why we know the Salvation Army for what we know it for right now, that they ring their bells, they serve others, they serve the disadvantaged, they come alongside the brokenhearted, and really the reason for that is because William Booth was so passionate about evangelism, and the reason that they started serving the poor and everything else is that he saw the best way to evangelize a world around him was to serve them and to have them ask, why are you doing this? And so he thought the best way to expedite the process of people understanding the goodness and the the, the greatness of who God is at his core. And the fact that God is love is to love and serve and share the good news by, by serving those who are at a disadvantage within society. And I find it so interesting because so often as churches, we're so concerned with people knowing who Jesus is and we forget that one of the ways that we show who Jesus is, is not just by our words, yes, evangelize, but also with the ways in which we serve and we give to those who are in need. As a church, we wanna be missional to those that we we call brothers and sisters in the faith, the body of believers, and we wanna be missional to those outside of the church. Why? So that ultimately this relationship, this Godhead, this 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 Trinitarian God, this this God who is love that we find ourselves uh, a part of and and a part of his family and the benefit that we've experienced uh, through that, that we might actually bring others into that relationship, bring others into that family, bring others into that goodness. That is why we want to be missional. That is why it is worth spending the time to ask ourselves, are we um, so inward focused or are we allowing the reality of what God's done in our lives? to translate into serving the world around us. And so, I mean, this is a lot of words. There's been a lot of theory. There's been a lot of like uh, uh, contemplation. There's been a lot of um, uh, different uh, uh, things that I've touched on here. But the thing that we need, we need to uh, uh, understand as a church today is that as we remain humble and as we go through all these other values, we can't get to a point where all of the values seek to serve us as a church all of these values not only are to form us into the likeness of christ but they're also meant to be missional in the way that we look at the world and we interact with the world around us we want to be faithful with god's goodness to the world that we live in we want to be humble in the way that we see the world we want to be but in all of that we want to be generous we want to tell people about the good news of jesus we want to meet them both with our hands but also with our with our resources and our finances and our time and the things that we can give back and so church I want to give a brief reason why missional is so core to our heart and why we're going to make sure that as a church we remain missional through the many, many, many years that are to come so that we're not just inward focused, which we haven't been, We have locals that are serving our communities all around Waterloo Region and Ontario right now. All this week they've been doing that. We have a city impact. We are being missional as a church, but we want to continue to explore ways in which we can further the mission that God has called us to. But we don't want to to do it apart from him. We want to do it from a deep reality that we are joining what he has been doing since the beginning of time. I want to ask you a question if you're watching today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to ask you if if you might consider making that decision. You know, Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, died on a cross to pay a sinner's penalty. That sinner's penalty was, was necessary in order to bring us back into relationship with God. And so often we approach God like we've got to get our act together before he'll accept us. And the reality of the Christian faith and what, what God spells out for us is actually he paid the price for us so that we can come to him exactly as we are and allow the transformation to start on the other side of him accepting us. That's the beauty of the Christian faith. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, I wanna give you an opportunity to make that decision right now. If you're watching live on our online platform, you can raise a hand right now in the chat. You can see just an outward symbol of an inward decision. But if you're watching with a group of people, maybe you wanna tell somebody about this afterwards, or maybe you just wanna make that decision internally. Um, And if you're making that decision, uh, why don't I pray with you? Jesus, thank you that you came and you paid a price. Part of your missional endeavors here on earth was reconciling your creation unto yourself, bringing us back into relationship with you. God, allowing for a place where we could be in resonance with what you're up to and what you're doing. God, I pray right now that those that are making this decision would uh, sense your spirit dwelling within them and that your spirit would guide them in the months and the weeks to come. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so happy if you made that decision. In just a moment, Pastor Jared's gonna come up and give you some more information. I just wanna pray for those of us that have been impacted by this message today. Maybe you've already made a decision to follow Jesus, but maybe you've been trying to live out a missional life apart from God. You've actually been doing it with, um, uh, not with resonance, but but actually being apart from it, trying to do it in your own strength. I wanna pray that God's strength would be in you as we seek to be missional as a church. God, thank you that um, that we, we have the ability to, to, um, to, to, to be missional. Uh, we have the ability because you've modeled for us what that looks like. Thank you, God, that we don't have to do this alone, but we can actually find our, uh, find our reason and find our purpose and find our energy for doing that in you excuse me, We know we can do that in you and we we know that we can really uh, do it through you. And so God, we pray that you would uh, empower us, that you would embolden us, that we wouldn't think that somehow you have left us to do all the work ourselves, but that we would understand that we are to partner with you and what you're trying to do in the world. God, give us the courage, give us the grace, give us the audacious faith, Lord, to be generous with our words, to be generous with our actions, to be generous with our time, to be generous with our finances. God, even as we look towards a heart for the house season, where we give above and beyond our regular giving, God, we pray that you would use those, uh, those works uh, and those, that, that, those, uh, the money that comes in, God, to, to multiply and bless the world that we live in. God, help us to be missional as a church in the way that you have been missional from the beginning of time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a Connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.